Hi, welcome to Out of the Box Stories. I'm your host, Allison Paradise. Our guest is Ritika Singh. Ritika is the former Green Labs Program Manager at My Green Lab. She's also the former Community Engagement Manager at My Green Lab. After leaving the organization, Ritika began to pursue her love of art and her passion for creating community. She shares with us the work that she's been doing to weave these two threads of art and community together in a way that is truly inspiring and incredibly beautiful. She shares with us her insights into the power of community and her thoughts on how to build connections that are strong and meaningful after so many years of being disconnected from one another. Ritika joined me from her home in Aliso Viejo, California. Hi, Ritika. Hey, Allison. How are you today? Oh, man, I'm good. It was a busy Monday, which I know Mondays are busy for most people, but Mondays are usually my day off. Oh, so then what did you do today? Um, I took Storm to the vet. She just needed her rabies shot. She did great. She looked really traumatized afterwards, but it's fine. She's doing great now. <laughs> and then I took myself to the doctors. So, you know, evened it out a little bit. <laughs> and then I just, what did I do? Oh, I'm interviewing for a new place. So I worked a little bit on a little deck that explains who I am to people. And that was really fun and interesting to work on. Wait, hold on. That's a requirement now to have a place to live? Um, no, no, no. It's I'm interviewing for a new job. Position. Oh. Yes. I thought that's <laughs> so involved. That would be really funny because I ended it with a video of me just completely crashing while roller skating. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. It's so perfect. And a perfect segue into how are you associated with the Green Labs movement and how are you affiliated with My Green Lab? Yeah, um, I was what, second slash third employee at My Green Lab. Mm -hmm. I was a program manager and then the community engagement manager at My Green Lab. I started off by doing half my time at UCLA, the other half of my time over at with you guys, just doing general community engagement, traveling all over the United States. And then I spent most of the rest of my time doing some graphic design work, doing a lot of our outreach and engagement, and just building that community out. It was such a pleasure working with you. Yeah. It was also my first job, which was kind of crazy <laughs> looking back at it now, because I think that's the one job, if you look at my resume, that looks the most impressive, which is actually hilarious, because I started off with that. Well, as soon as we met, I knew. I knew that we had to work together. Oh, I think every time I tell the story about how I got that job, people are just surprised. Really? Because it's such a fun story. Yeah. Wait, tell it. Tell it how you tell other people. Okay, this is how I tell other people. I tell them I was working at my internship at UC Irvine, where I was helping with the Green Labs program at UC Irvine. And they said, hey, do you want to go to a little conference? And I said, sure, an excuse to dress up and also get free food, which as a college student, you're not going to turn that down. Nope. It was at a fancy hotel in Huntington, right on the beach. And they went, you just have to stand at this booth and look nice and make sure people know who we are. And I said, all right, I can do that. I dressed up. I was in a pencil skirt, if you could imagine that. A really nice blouse that I borrowed from my mom because I didn't have any of my own. And a blazer. And on top of that, I wore these heels that got comments all day, if you remember. <laughs> they were like, wow, you're really wearing those heels when you have to stand for eight hours. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, what did I get into? And I turn and they went, oh, you're going to meet Allison. She's the one who started My Green Lab, the whole, you know, shebang. And I was like, oh, man, all right, I'm excited. And you show up wearing like, I think just a hoodie, comfy pants, really comfy shoes. I'm so jealous. And I think you were wearing a beanie, which I was so jealous of because I know it's Southern California. I know it was Huntington Beach, but it was so cold that day. Uh -huh. <laughs> and then we just talked. We just talked forever. I think we talked the entire time. And I left. And then, you know, I continued my internship until the day I graduated. And I think a week or so after I graduated, you emailed me or you texted me or something. And you were just like, hey, I have a job for you. And I was like, all right. <laughs> cool. I'm in. 
I remember I called you from the car outside of the hotel and we continued talking. And I think I said, hey, I really want to work together. I don't have a position available right now, but when one becomes available, it's yours. Yep. I just knew. It was perfect timing too, because, you know, I just graduated and you called and I was like, oh man, am I ready to start working already? Like I've been working because I, I always do so much. And you're like, oh, no, no, it's not going to happen for a while. So I got six months to do whatever I wanted before the job started. And it was perfect. And you were perfect. You were so perfect in that for the time that you were there, for the time we worked together. It was, yeah, I, I'm trying to think of another word, but there really isn't another word. It was just, it was such a a great experience because you brought this perspective of somebody who had already been running programs at the university of California, Irvine, or UCI, into UCLA. So you already kind of knew what you were doing. Plus, you had the perspective of somebody who had just been in a lab and doing field work, which also nobody at the organization had that perspective before. So that was super cool. And just your general energy and your heart is just so open and it's so positive and it's so good. I'm really, really glad you think that because my experience... (laughs) <laughs> was so different. Really? It was my first job, right? So imagine this. I look like a college graduate. I actually don't even look like that. I look like I'm still in college. And I'm there at the University of California, Los Angeles, university that most people know about, I'm sure. And I was like, what am I doing here? I look around my first day. Everyone's older than I am. The only person who kind of looks similar to me is my intern. <laughs> and I was just like, what is happening? Who am I? I wore heels to the first day of work, too. (laughs) And it was perfect because it really set the tone for the rest of my professional life in the sense that working with you, working for My Green Lab just taught me so much about what I wanted to do. But I think it taught me more about what I didn't want to do. There were so many boundaries that I learned to set and there were so many things that I learned that I should speak up about, things that I realized I should let go of. And so it was really perfect, but I just remember being so overwhelmed, I think, for the first month at least. I can see that. It was not an easy thing to say, hey, you're responsible for this entire campus. (laughs) You as one person? Yeah, it wasn't easy. You You didn't kind of take an easy, simple role. You dove right in to the deepest part of the ocean. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's just how I work, though. Like, I really think I am the type of person that I see something and I'm like, all right, you know what? If I think about this too long, I'm going to freeze. So I just got to go. I just got to keep going and just move through it. My friends always describe me as someone who has a lot of inertia. Yeah, they said, you know, when you're resting, it takes a lot to get you out of that mode. But when you're doing something, it takes a lot to get you to slow down and stop. Either way, I used to describe it as, man, my activation energy is really high. So my friends, even to this day, if they're inviting me somewhere and even if they know I'm going to like it, they will put together like basically a presentation on why I should go because they know that I need (laughs) like so much just oomph. But then once I have that, I'm, I'm there. It's so well described. I think I feel very similarly. It takes an awful lot. But once I get going, I'm like a snowball just rolling down a hill. So after this uh, illuminating experience, actually, rather than have me put a word in your mouth, how would you describe it? It was, I think it was a time where I really learned a lot about who I was and what I actually wanted to do for work because for so long I was just doing what was expected. It was school or internships or working in a lab. And with this new role, all of a sudden, this wasn't something I did for school. It wasn't for a grade. There was so much more at stake in the sense that the work I did directly impacted the university's funding. The work I did directly impacted how many clients my green lab took on it directly impacted how many people we you know were able to reach out to at conferences and events and then there was just me 
And I think I realized that that's all there is in the end. It's just you, you know, and it really put into perspective that companies at the end of the day are just people and they are people with desires and wants and needs. And they're just figuring out ways to create systems out of those. And I would say for me, it was just a lot of figuring out how I fit into a system and also more how I didn't fit into the system and what I wanted to do with that. And there were examples, I think, at my green lab, like when, you know, I was supposed to work on the freezer challenge. And then at that time we were going through our rebranding and I just approached you and I was like, hey, I don't I don't like where this is going. Can I do it? And at that point, you didn't know, but I had an entire art background. I was really interested in design and working cre like creatively. And you allowed me to have that. And I was like, wait a minute. This is something I want to do now. Like, this is the part of the system where I'm excited. Same with the outreach and engagement. At first, it was a lot of traveling, and that was really a lot. And it was new for me. And I started to learn my boundaries. So I think for me, that's how I would describe it. It was a lot of new and then a lot of yeses. And then from those yeses came hmm, maybe, no, yes, more yes, or no, never again. <laughs> so I think that's it. Like I just kept getting hit with opportunities and questions. And I think at the beginning, I just took them all on because they were new and why not? And then from there, I was able to kind of narrow stuff down or broaden it out even more. And so then what did you do with that information, with what you learned? What did you do next? And, and what are you up to now? Oh, man, I'm up to so much. I think what I learned was I need to be out and about. You know, my favorite part about what I did at Migraine Lab wasn't being behind a computer or working with the numbers. It was when I was talking to people. It was when I was visiting labs and getting to know them, getting to know what they needed and why and how Migraine Lab could fit into their needs and wants while still doing what Migraine Lab needed to do. And I think for me, that just kind of really told me that I need interaction. And it was a remote position from the start. You know, none of us really got together in person. And from there, I realized remote is fine, but within remote, I need to find ways to connect. Um, you know, I would hop on Zoom calls with my coworkers just to be on a Zoom call just so I could connect with them and understand what was going on. I immediately realized I couldn't work in an office by myself. So I was able to reach out when I was at UCLA and join an office with Kiki, who was the zero waste manager there. And it just helped so much knowing that I could always have somebody who was similar to me, but still so different with all her unique experiences to bounce off of and kind of connect with. And I think that was it for me. I was like, oh, I just need connection. So once I started doing our conferences, when it was conference season in the fall, I was like, wow, I love this. You know, I was out every month and I was just like, wow, this is amazing. And yeah, there were times where I was like, OK, I need to be back home. I need to be situated. But still, I realized, OK, I, I need something active and dynamic and where there's a lot of people and personalities involved because I thrive on that, even if they're ones that I don't always connect with. And so right now. I think every job I've had since I've been able to be interactive, I moved on to working at, you know, various different institutions. Yeah, right after Migraine Lab, I took a little bit of a break because I joined grad school. Um, during Migraine Lab, I realized that, yeah, while I do love this type of work, I really did actually enjoy program management and development. I missed a lot of the field work. I missed working with animals and ecosystems. So my, you know, my lab work was all marine ecology. So I started taking classes online and I realized, oh man, I want to go back to school. And I started studying conservation biology for my master's through the San Diego Zoo. And through that, I met so many people from so many cool backgrounds and I'm learning so much from them to this day. And I got to see animals behind the scenes at the zoo, which was just incredible, like mind blowing. From there, I worked at the aquarium in Long Beach, and that, again, I was running all their youth programs, I was running their conservation programs, and it was just constant interaction, working with people. And even though it was during the pandemic, um, at the height when we were all on Zoom, I was still able to perform so much outreach, and it was so fulfilling. And then I realized, as we were moving back and opening back up as a society, that I needed to really be back in person 
and I needed to be outside. So currently I'm working with the Irvine Ranch Conservancy where I basically get to do community engagement, outreach, but I'm out in the field as often as I want. I can schedule myself to be outside. I get to go hike. I get to go patrol. And that's been just amazing because I get to see how, I guess, the landscape changes over seasons and how people interact with that. And then I get to understand how to interpret that for different people, for different needs. And it's just been an incredible time for me. And then personal stuff. I mean, oh, man, that's just taken off. I think my green lab reminded me how much I loved art. So I started painting again. And then that led into me needing a space to paint. And again, I love interaction. So I needed a community because painting can get really isolating. And thankfully, at that time, one of my good friends, Randy, was hosting these open studio nights out of her own space. And then from there, we've now grown to having our own studio together. And we work out of that at least two times a week. And it's just grown into this giant community. So I'm doing a lot. You are doing a lot. But I think uh, the common thread is community. It's the thing that drew me to you initially. Because when you were in the booth in the hotel at Huntington Beach, you were naturally interacting with every single person who walked in there. It was as if you had been inhabiting that space your whole life, even though it was really your first day, your first time being part of a situation like that. You were so at ease, so engaging. Yeah, I loved watching you. Yeah, I just love it. Um, I actually wasn't at ease when I first came in. I'll be honest. Oh, I was so nervous. Are you kidding? That was like my first conference and I was boothing and I was like, oh, man. And I think that's what made me comfortable was finding out what I could connect to other people on because that made them human. You know, and I, it wasn't like, oh, what do you do for work? It was like, how are you doing today? Did you like the food? Why did you like the food? where are you from? Tell me about where you're from. That's interesting. You know, and all of a sudden now I'm at ease because they're from somewhere. I'm also from somewhere. They like food. I, I need to eat food too. You were also the one who brought to my attention the need for community at My Green Lab within, within all of us who are working there. I don't know if you remember this, but you called me one day and you said, hey, do you think we could have team calls? Do you remember this? No, I don't. That's hilarious. That makes sense. And I said, wait, why would you want that? <laughs> because I tend to be much more the opposite. For as much as my Green Lab is all about creating a community around sustainability and changing a culture around sustainability and science, me personally, I tend to be, you know, in my house by myself, outside, by myself, kind of alone most of the time. And I like that. So it never, never really occurs to me that somebody might want interaction with another person. So it was just such a funny conversation because you're absolutely flabbergasted that this hasn't occurred to me. And <laughs> I am absolutely flabbergasted that you want calls. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I also think it came from this desire to connect with you and learn everything that you already knew. Because I don't know if you know this, but Rachel and I would talk all the time about who was Allison talking about? What event <laughs> was she referencing? Because you have this tendency to just come up and you're like, oh, today I talked to Josh and he was doing this and then Karen and I went off and did this. And then, you know, uh, Matt and I, we really connected on this. And I'm sitting there going, uh-huh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then afterwards, I go, wait a minute. I actually don't know any of these people, who they are, <laughs> what they do, why Allison knows them, and why she's excited to talk to them or not excited to talk to them. And so I remember just coming into my green lab and I heard all these names. And then I was like, okay, maybe it's me. And I <laughs> remember talking to Rachel. And I was like, Rachel, who are these people? And she's like, I don't know. She's like, you think I know? And I went, yeah, I thought you knew. So it really came out of this desire to connect with you and with what My Green Lab was, which at the time was very much rooted in you. 
That makes a lot of sense now that you say that. And you're right. I do have this tendency, I think, because I tend to remember people's names. I notice this more than perhaps others, because even now in the work that I'm doing, I will often just say, well, yeah, I spoke with Susan and then I talked to Frank and then I did this and I did that. And the people I'm working with are like, wait, who's that again? Right. Who's that person? It's a really good point. Well, I really appreciate that you did bring that into the culture of the organization because I think it was beneficial for everybody. Oh, yeah. I remember um, Christina and I, we would just jump on Zoom calls all the time after that because it was just this desire, I think, especially for some of us who need more interaction where we were like, oh, even if we're working on completely different things, let's just be together. Because that way, if something comes up, you know about it. Or if I just need to ask a question, I can speak it out into the universe and maybe you'll respond. (laughs) Or even if you don't have a response, maybe you'll know someone who does. And it just kind of grew from there. And then I remember taking on that community engagement role was really exciting for me because I was just constantly talking to people and getting to know people deeper and getting to know the organization deeper as it grew, which was really important for me. It's really interesting to hear you frame your experiences starting from working at Migraine Lab all the way through now where you are through this lens of community. And I'm curious, in particular, about the community that you're creating around art. Can you share a bit more about what that looks like and what your intention is with it? Yeah. um, So I'm going to paint a visual, a word, a verbal picture of what it was and what it's turned into. So imagine a little dining room filled with about 10 people. Maybe three of them are playing instruments. Maybe two of them are, you know, painting. A couple of them are writing. Another one person might be drawing on their iPad. And that just happened every Monday out of my friend Randy's mom's dining room until one day Randy's mom went, I'm kicking you guys out. I want my dining room back. I want it back by Thanksgiving. And Randy and I went, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, we need this. We need this space to be creative and also where we can connect. And so we went hunting around and we found this studio space. And well, actually, we didn't find it. It found us. Randy went to a tamale festival and apparently the line for tamales was so long that she just spoke to the guy next to her the entire time. And he was an artist and he owned studio spaces out in Santa Ana. And he just went, well, I have a studio space. I want to rent it out. I want to rent it out to someone I know will respect the space and create something beautiful out of it. Do you want it? And she went, yes. And we walked into that space and it was already three times as big as the dining room. It had a kitchenette. And we just went, yeah, this is it. And we just got together whatever money we had in that moment. And we didn't even think about it. We signed on. Out of nowhere, I think we were fueled by maybe one cup of coffee. And we just got it. And it's now grown. It's this beautiful little space. We have it all sectioned off to where there's a little music corner. There's a corner for art, uh, visual arts. There's a little kitchenette so we can, you know, be creative and feed ourselves. And now what we do is we host these open studio sessions where Sunday afternoons, Monday nights, the only rules are be kind and be creative. And so it's just spread. We've had to start a little WhatsApp discussion so we know who's coming every night. We know what to expect. A couple of my friends have decided to also fund into the studio space. So now they have keys to the place and they can use it whenever they'd like. We have a little donation bin. We have cubbies for everyone. We even have art tools and equipment that are free for anyone to use. And the only goal there is to be creative. For everyone else, for Randy and I, our goal is actually to get recognized by the city and put ourselves on the art walk in Santa Ana and also to start hosting some open mic nights where we can showcase the work that's being done in there. But it's just this beautiful space where everyone comes together. We've had zero issues. Everyone has always gotten along, regardless of religion, gender, race, and any sort of background that people come from age. We've had people from... 50 to 18 come through and there's just this beautiful energy there. Sometimes it's really calm. 
sometimes everyone's working on their own projects, but sometimes like last night, one of my friends, Danny, who was in my marine biology lab came through and he was like, I want to record a song right now. And we had two other people there who knew how to play instruments. We had someone there who knows how to sing and they recorded a song last night. And I have no idea what Danny's going to do with it. I think he's going to release it soon, but he just came in and that was his first time there. And the energy was just so good. And he's really shy. He's been on our discussions for months now, and this was his first time finally making it out. And it ended up with him creating a song. Oh my gosh, you are creating a really beautiful space. Yeah, and it's just, it's been amazing. And we're just kind of excited because it's snowballed. We never thought it would turn into this. Actually, half the people there last night were new. Some of them were friends of friends, and they didn't even need their friend to be there to feel comfortable enough to stay, which I think was amazing. Wow. So beyond the the goals of of having the work be recognized more, what what would you say is the intention behind it? What are you hoping people are getting out of being a part of this community? I know for me, what I hope that people feel when they step into that space is just acceptance. I think the reason why I think community is really important for me is because for so long I didn't feel like I had it. Um, I've always had amazing people around me. I'm not going to deny that. I just never felt connected in the same way. And I think the first time I started feeling connected to people was when I started making these friends. And a lot of them are the same people that come to these studio nights. And I just want everyone to feel that. I want everyone to come in and feel that I can come here. I can be creative in any sort of way. It ranges from, I think I told you once a girl came in and she's like, well, I want to play video games. And I said, well, it's not really that creative. And then she went, well, what if I create like a beautiful house in my video game and I spend time designing it and figuring out the layout and what I want to put in this home? And I went, yeah, that's actually really creative. Go for it. Another time, one of my friends, Kristen, came in and she's like, I really want to learn how to play an instrument. I'm 29. I've never played an instrument before. I want to learn. And so that's what she does every studio night. She just keeps learning how to play her guitar. And she feels comfortable enough to do that. She's really shy, too. And I think that's just what I want. I just want people to feel comfortable, feel safe, and feel like they can create things regardless of needing to make money out of it, needing to showcase it to others, needing to even, you know, for the art to be good. There's so many times I've created stuff that I've just completely painted over or gotten rid of. But it wasn't about having an end product. It was just about being there, making art, and being around other people who are doing the same. As you're talking about this, it really feels like you've come into yourself. Yeah, I feel like I am me, finally. I really, really do. Yeah, it really feels that. It's, it's awesome. It's nice. I never thought I would. I mean, I took a six-year break from art, you know? Aside from doing it for work, like the work for Migraine Lab, I'd never made anything for myself until the pandemic. And then I started sending you those paintings. That was six years of not picking up my tools and not doing anything. Why not? Why weren't you painting during that time? Oh, man, I hated painting. Really? It would make me so frustrated. It would make me so angry. I hated it because I always had a goal in mind when I painted something. It was a portrait that had to look like someone. It was a piece that had to convey a specific emotion. And I just got so upset because sometimes it just wouldn't happen. And I remember putting it down because I never felt like I could get to where I wanted to be with it. And the reason why I'm back into art now is actually because I started doing more abstract work where it doesn't need to look like anything. And now it's more about the process. So I'm really focusing on how I'm feeling when I'm doing something, whether or not I'm enjoying putting, you know, pencil to paper, or paint to paper, or making a collage. What am I feeling? What am I experiencing in that moment? And not thinking about what is it going to turn into? Because that will happen regardless, as long as I keep doing in the now. And I think that's also just something I'm carrying through in other parts of my life now. But it was a lot about letting go of expectations because I definitely had a lot growing up. That's such powerful advice 
and such a powerful perspective to share with people. What you're describing is exactly the reason why I never did anything artistic for years. Every time I would try to create something, it wouldn't look like whatever was in my head. I would get super frustrated, rip up the paper, say, I can't do this, I'm Mm -hmm. rubbish, and that would be it. And then when we started working with kids, I realized, oh, I I don't have to have it look like something. They're totally okay with this, looking like however it turns out, maybe I can just breathe and relax. And it's been really fun. Yeah. Right? Uh Uh-huh. It's just so amazing. And I find like when I'm making art is the only time when I'm really, really actually focused in on something to the point where sometimes six hours will pass. And I'll look down. I'm like, wow, what happened? I have no idea what went on in those six hours aside from just very like physical feelings of, oh, I was like smearing this paint around or I took the time to create this color and I just remember thinking, oh, wow, that color is amazing. I need to put it everywhere. And it feels childlike, like you're right. It feels so freeing to not have those rules on art anymore. And it's nice because now when I do create art that does have rules, It has its own place. It's not the only way to make art anymore. And I actually have more of an appreciation for it, even as I'm drawing away from it, which is actually interesting. And I'm actually coming to that realization as I'm speaking. Do you think that the people who share the studio space with you are drawing upon that inspiration? Do you think they too are experiencing the liberation that comes from realizing that you don't have to follow the rules? Or are you seeing that they are coming in with a certain set of expectations and then eventually letting go of them or holding on to them? Or what's your experience there? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think one of my favorite things that's come out of this is one of my friends, Ryan, joined in on our art nights. And we've known him since middle school. And he was always the star kid. This guy was taking college-level math classes in middle school. He was incredible at cello. Oh, my. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So much pressure on this kid, right? And then I remember he came to art night once and I was like, oh, what, what's he up to? Because he went to like some Ivy League school. And I think all of us were just like, why is he here? And he was like, guys, I'm unemployed. I'm just working as a tutor right now. I have no idea who I am. And one of the best moments that came out of art night was I was going through my closet. I was getting rid of a lot of stuff. And I went, hmm, I'll just bring it to art night. Maybe someone will want to make art out of this or maybe someone will want this. And he looked at my clothes and he's like, can I try those on? I was like, yeah, why not? And he's like, well, because I've never worn clothes like that before. And this just turned into then kind of a little fashion show where he was trying on dresses. He was trying on my pants, my skirts, my shirts, some of my jewelry, some of my head, like hats and stuff. And he was learning so much. He's like, oh, I like this type of fabric. I like the way that this cut looks on me or how do I put on a dress? And he was just like so blown away and just so excited to be there and to be doing this thing that I do every morning, which is get dressed, think about what I want to wear. I really do love getting dressed and picking out clothes. And we were all kind of teaching him ways to like, you know, put on stuff. And then we were like, well, actually, if you want to put it on this way, that's fine, too, because sometimes he would put on he's he would look at some clothes and, you know, like women's clothing especially is weird. You'll have straps and lace and strings Uh and he's like what is this and I was like well you put it on and he's like well I'm putting it on like this and I went all right actually you're right and it just turned into him realizing huh maybe I can wear these clothes and be okay and then the next week I remember he posted a picture of him wearing one of my dresses at the Getty Center in a way that I'd never even thought to wear the dress and I was like whoa this is so incredible because here's this kid who grew up so rigid Like, I remember how stressed he was all the time. No one ever saw him at anything outside of school because that's all he did. And now he's here at Art Night and just like exploring himself in such a new way through a medium that he's never thought about before, which was fashion. It was so lovely. And I think that's what a lot of us are experiencing there. It's like such an amazing thing. And because of that, now he and I are connecting and on different things as well. Some stuff that, you know, I'm not going to talk about because it's his own personal stuff, but It's just been that kind of space where someone can come in and you can do whatever you want. 
as long as, again, you're kind and you're creative. And I think that covers a lot. I think it's this idea that come in there, let go of anything else. Like, we're so fun. We have this wall that everyone signs when they first come into the studio. And you sign it with your height and your name and your date. But it's your height as you came in. So my height is the day I stepped in there, I was wearing these really tall boots. And that's who I was that day. And that's fine, you know? And then we also have this little thing where so if someone is leaving and they know this might be their last time in the studio, they actually write a note onto the wall and then they mod podge over it. And we'll never know what it says. And that's fine, too. And it's such a child, like it's such a kid thing to do, you know, to leave these circuit notes or to leave your mark and paint on the walls and do whatever. And it's all fine. And it's like this wonderful little space where you can do whatever, be whoever you want, and then hopefully take that out with you. It's so liberating. Yeah. It's something that I think as kids, we lose very, very early on. And then for so many adults, we never get the chance to experience what, what could have been, what's really in us to create, to be. It's just... And to have fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. And to play. Just plain play. Skip. Jump. You know? As you said, color on the walls. And in a silly, fun way, splatter paint. You're doing such a service to the world. I, yeah, it's also for me. Like, I will be honest, so much of it is selfish, you know? Like, I, I want to be there. I want to have a good time. I want to have fun. I'm learning a lot about myself when I'm there. I love games. I didn't know this about myself. But I love games. I love turning anything into a game. I had no idea until these studio nights because people were like, Ritika, you try to turn everything into a game. What does that mean? What do you love about games and what do you mean by game? Um, so an example, my friend Kevin came in one day and he's like, I think I know every Beatles song to ever have existed. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, I think I could play them all. And I think I could recognize them all just based on the first few notes. And I was like, all right, let's test it out. So I had everybody submit a Beatles song to a Spotify playlist and then we played the first note and then we saw if Kevin could then continue the song all the way through. And then people would add on to it. So other people would start singing as he was singing. Other people would start playing instruments as he was doing it. And it just turned into this fun little game. And sometimes we'll pull it out. We'll be like, all right, who's your favorite artist to a random person? We'll say, can you recognize their work from this? And it just kind of turned into this fun little game that we do and then has transformed from there. And I think for me, a game is... Something where I know that I'm going to have fun. There is a little bit of rule and regulation to a game. But in the end, the goal is to have a good time. You know? So, like, I don't play... Like, when I say I like games, a lot of people sometimes think video games. I don't like video games. I don't like a lot of video games that other people like. Because oftentimes it's very much based on achieving a certain goal or having a certain skill set. And if you don't have that, you aren't able to get to where you want to be. And for me, it's not about that. It's about can everyone participate? Can everyone have a good time? Can we adapt this to whoever is here? And it just kind of, for me, games are more organic. It's just a way to kind of assign a little bit of rule and regulation around something to create a more participatory environment. In that example, it also sounds a bit like you might be pushing boundaries too, like testing where limits are, testing where people's boundaries are, and in a way almost showing them that that those boundaries maybe don't exist. Although it sounds like your friend initially was saying, I have no boundaries around this. I can name everything. But I like that you're sort of testing in that space. Mm -hmm. do, do most of the games that you come up with, are they are they in that space of testing people's limits or boundaries? Kind of. Um a lot of it's around music because it's a really musical space. Uh, another game we had was we would pick a theme and the theme can be anything. So one time the theme was animals and it's, we go around, everyone submits a song that's, that relates to the theme in any way that they want. So it could be a song that has the word animal in it. It could be a song about an animal. It could be a song that reminds them of an animal, anything. And then we would play them at random. And our goal was to guess who submitted what song. And it was such a fun way to get to know people or to get to know that you don't actually know something about someone. <laughs> and 
and it's more than that it turns into like who can hide what song they put on the most because we have one friend gabby who if you play a song and it was her song oh you know immediately <laughs> so yeah i just think that that's really what it is for me it's a little bit more of an exploration i think games really show who you are it's like who are you when you're just trying to have fun because some people what's fun is competing with others you know, everyone comes in with a different goal to a game. Um, my friend Jordan has to beat everyone else. He has to. If he doesn't, he's mad. Me, I don't care about winning. I actually want to see, like you said, I do like to push people. I am that type of person. I want to see how far I can push someone in the game. So like an example, sometimes we'll play Magic the Gathering there after hours. What's that? It's a card game. It's based on creating your own deck to play to your strengths so you have characters basically and then you can add on abilities you can take away abilities and so your deck is very curated to you and my deck in Ratika fashion of I don't care to win I just want to see what other people are going to do if I put them in a, a heated situation my whole deck is centered around I sacrifice my own characters to make life harder for other people's characters <laughs> because I don't <laughs> care if I win I just want to see what other people are going to do <laughs> yeah yep. okay that says a lot uh -huh. <laughs> yeah and then I see people like my brother who's so strategic with how he plays and then I see people like you know some of my friends are very like secretive you never know what cards they have you don't know what they're gonna play next it's always like random and I'm like huh this is who you are in a fun space <laughs> like this is what <laughs> fun is for you that's such an interesting perspective I've never thought of it like that. This is what fun is for you. We've got to play a game. Can we play a game now? Is there a, is there a game that would work between just the two of us? Oh, you know what I love? It's going to be hard to play. One of my favorite games is uh, Guess Up or Heads Up, which is just where you have like a, a little post-it or something that you're thinking of and you're describing it to someone else. So I could describe animals to you and see how you would understand what those animals are and how many we could get through in that moment. Oh, I see. Okay. We could try it. I'm going to look at it and I'll describe it to you and we'll see how many we can get through in a minute. Okay. And then we'll opposite it? We can. I don't know how it works. I can try not looking at the screen so I don't see what I'm showing you in terms of the animal. So how it works is typically you're supposed to place this on your forehead and you're supposed to read it out loud to me. Or not read it out loud to me. You're supposed to describe what's on there. So... It's a squirrel, and I would probably describe squirrel as like, oh, when something's in the backyard, Doom and Storm are trying to like chase after it, and it's chirping at them, and they're chirping back, because that's how I would describe squirrel. Oh, I see. So you're, you could do it, though, where you come up with an animal, and you try to describe it to me, and I just try to guess what it is. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. So, that's what we're doing? Yep. Okay. And I, I use this to like give prompts and make it a little more even, because- Sometimes I can think of like oh, an outlandish animal. Oh, I see. Okay. So when we opposite it, you won't need to worry about that for me. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I'm not going to come up with something that you've – you work with animals. I know. You're not, I'm not going to come up with something that you don't know. But the best part about this game for me is you learn so much about someone else. Like yesterday I had an impromptu bonfire with my brother and his friends. And one of the animals on there was a poodle. And the girl who was describing it to my brother just went, oh, it's white and fluffy and just really bratty and really annoying. And I was like, how is how is my brother going to get this? And he immediately went, oh, yeah, poodle. Really? And I, I yeah. And I was like talking to the girl. I was like, how did you know? And he's like, oh, I just know that he hates one of the dogs and she's a poodle <laughs> <laughs> and she's really bratty and she's white and fluffy. And you learn so much about that because I'm like, oh, now they have that connection in common and that's how... Rohit sees poodles, whereas for me, you would have to say dog for me to get there. Yeah, I would not have gotten that. I would have been very confused. Right? And he yeah. immediately. That's fascinating. And so it's so much fun. One time we were playing movies and I was there with my best friend growing up. And I think she was the one who introduced me to a lot of movies. And for some reason that day we were talking a lot about this one movie and it came up in this game. And I looked down at the card, I looked up at her and I just started laughing and she guessed it just from me laughing and giving her a look. I gave no clues. And people are like, you guys cheated. And I said, no, we didn't. We just know each other that well. Wow. Yeah. 
And I think that's what I like about games. Like, it's just an exploration of who people are. It, it, I think it just comes back to, again, connection. And sometimes people get mad and sometimes people are good at playing games or no, they're not good at losing. And that also <laughs> tells me a lot about a person. Okay, let's play. All right. Are we going to time it? This thing times it for me. So I'm going to do 30, 60 seconds. We're going to start now. Ooh, okay. You find them in New York. They're all over. Pigeon. They, yes. Amazing. Um, oh, it lives up north and they're big and scary. Biggest animal Polar up there. Bear? Yes. Scary. Okay. Um, oh, and a, in a pear tree. Partridge. <laughs> oh, oh, they're they're canned, they're fish, and you eat Sardines. them. Sardines. Yes. Oh, they're really teeny and they invade picnics and people think they're annoying. Ants. This is fun. Oh, it's like an elegant duck. Or like a less annoying Swan? goose. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they howl at the moon and they travel in packs. Wolves. Yes. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Ah, in ancient Egypt, I think this was like a deity and they're dog-like. Um, oh man. Okay. We're out of time. Okay. What was that? A jackal. Oh yeah. That's a fair description. That's fun. Yeah. I love this game. Okay. I want to play the other way. Go for it. Okay. Here we go. They're enough about a quarter, but they're, it's easy enough. I'm just going to scooch across. Okay. You awesome. ready? Mm -hmm. Are you, are you able to time it too? Uh, yeah. Let me set. A little timer. Perfect. Oh my gosh, a lot of these I don't know. That's okay. <laughs> I'm going to, hold on, Richie, I need another list. I don't know what this is. What's a Finnish spitz? Please don't make me guess a Finnish spitz. <laughs> I don't know what that is. I'm like, I can't, what's a cassowary? Oh, that's a bird, I think. Oh my goodness. Okay. Those were I a would, confident answer be... that ended not confidently. <laughs> Could there be a list of animals for children? <laughs> Let me see if I can find that. 50 types of animals for children. For Allison. Uh, <laughs> here we go. National Geographic Kids. I feel like we're going to do better here. Perfect. All right. I'm going to start the timer in three, two, one. Go. Okay. So they're usually red and they're thought to be very clever. Ooh, a fox? Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, this is the bird of Iceland, but you really only see it in the summertime. And they are, um, black and white. A penguin? No, but so close. Oh, a puffin. Um, yeah. Oh, exactly. I, I didn't know you only saw them in the summer. Yeah. Um, this lives in water and when it gets really upset, it gets really, it kind of like goes. A puffer fish. And it's all Spiky, yeah. Uh, this also lives in water and it has eight arms. Oh, an octopus. Yeah, uh-huh. Um, this goes... And it a lives in the... Frog? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> that was close, right? <laughs> this lives on a special island where it pretty much only exists on this one island. And it's uh, there's a lot of mythical stories about it. and a it's kiwi? Mm -mm. It's a reptile. Ooh, a Komodo dragon. And that's Yay. time. That's time. Oh, hey, perfect. That's oh, fun. Yeah. It's really, like, I love this game. It's like a simpler version of Taboo. I don't know what that is. Oh, Taboo's fun. It's basically this game, but then it gives you related words that you can't say. So it's like if you had Puffin, it would say, well, you can't say bird. You can't say ice. You can't say beak. You can't say black. You can't say white. Could you act it out? Like I did with the blowfish? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you could. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that was I really good. Too. I'm sorry people won't get to see that. I'm, puff I'm puffing out my cheeks and shaking my head back and forth because it, that's what they always feel like they're doing when they're mad. They're just like, mm. 
(laughs) (laughs) So before we say goodbye, I have one more question for you, which is, do you see the work that you're doing with the studio expanding? Do you have a vision for it to grow into something larger? Are you content where it is? I definitely have a vision for it. Um, We've already started to kind of expand it by, we started doing field trips. And those come from somebody saying, hey, this is something I'm interested in. Come join me. Come join my world outside of this. Um, For me, I love camping. So I put together a camping field trip. Uh, My friend Gabby loves film. So we all went out to the movies once. It was a movie that she picked. So I want definitely to do more field trips And then we're also hoping to do workshops in there that, again, someone comes in and they say, this is what I enjoy. I want to share it. So I'm going to be doing a little art journaling workshop in there next month. Um, My friend Christine is going to be teaching people how to sew and mend clothing and do like some editing using thread another time. So I definitely want it to become a space where it goes beyond just one person doing their art alone. And if they want to share, they can. And if they want to teach, they should. So that's how I see it growing. I mean, it sounds like you've created this magical space at a time when I can't imagine it being more necessary for people. Yeah, I do think that's part of the success, right? We've had, it's been three years now where people are really isolated. And I think this is the year where it's almost isolating in a different way where there's almost too much to do. And it's overwhelming. Everyone's going back to work. Everyone's traveling. We're now expected to be back at full capacity or more to make up for things. Or, you know, people are like, oh, you really want to be back in person and you really want to be working (laughs) and you really want to go back to what we were like. And it's like, no, I don't. (laughs) I do not. But I do want to connect again. And this is how I'm doing it. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for sharing yourself and your work. It truly is beautiful. It's such an honor to know you. Aww. Thank you. You too. And you're part of this, you know, in your own ways. I think Migraine Lab really kickstarted a lot for me, but just knowing you too. Big hug. <laughs> yes, big hug. I'm going to hug this. This is where you. <laughs> okay, I'll talk to you soon. Mm-hmm. Bye. Bye.